Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. When we come to the house of the Lord, we come to worship the Lord. We come to receive from God. But we also come, each one of us, with our own individual need and challenges. And when I look at the church of God, or when I look at all of you, I'm reminded of the time there was a pool called the Pool of Bethesda. And people would come there, they were staying there, each one waiting for a miracle. Can you ask your neighbor, are you waiting for your miracle? So each one was expectant when they were there. But the Bible says, anyone who stepped in first when the water was stirred was healed of whatever infirmity. So it means the type of the problem is not an issue. Tell your neighbor the type of a problem is not an issue. It's just your faith that counts. Amen. That's what that scripture says in the book of John. It says, when they were there, whoever stepped in first, when the water was stirred, would be healed, whatever infirmity. So when I look at the church of God, I think of that. I think when you are here, each one of you should receive your portion. Amen. God knows that you have left many things to be here. And may he meet you at your point of need, as you are in his place. I want us to go to the book of Luke chapter 4. And I want you to look at this because Jesus has actually already laid the foundation. Jesus would go also to, they used to call them synagogues, the Jews fellowship in synagogues. Just like the Muslims fellowship in mosques, we call it church for us. Amen. But I want you to look at Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 19. Mr. MJ will do that one. Because I want you to look at Jesus in the temple, Jesus in the synagogue, Jesus in the church. And my Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's not like Jesus did something then, but he can't do something now. If he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, there is a reason why we read the testimonies in this book. That we can say, Father, you did it that time. You can do it now. You healed people that time. You can heal people now. You saved people that time. You can save people now. You protected people that time, you can protect us now. You provided for people then, you can provide for us now. That's the God that I serve. And I like it when he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mr. MJ, Luke chapter 4, 16 to 19, Amplified Classic. So he came to Nazareth, that Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he entered the synagogue. As, he was, as was his custom on the Sabbath day. So at least Jesus also did not outgrow church. Some of you, you get used to church that you feel, even if I don't go to church, I don't lose anything. It says Jesus, it was his custom, custom to go to the synagogue or to go to church. Mm. You get that? Yeah. 
So if Jesus did not outgrow church, who are you to think that I know, I know what they will be talking about. No, I know this. I actually can also switch on the TV and I'll get the same thing. So you're better than Jesus then. Jesus went to the synagogue as his custom was. Amen. May you make it your habit to go to church. Continue. And he stood up to read. Yes. And there was handed to him the roll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. Okay. So, just like we open this Bible, which contains the Old and the New Testament, in those days, they only had the Old Testament because they were living the New Testament. So, the scroll was handed to Jesus, and he opened in the book of Isaiah. Amen. So you should also open in the book of Isaiah at times. Amen? Even when you come to church, I want you to read from your Bibles. Because we can give you stories from the pulpit, but no story will save you from the hands of the enemy. Actually, the devil knows better stories than you do. So what you need when you come to the house of the Lord, you want to see what is written. So he stood up and started reading. They gave him the book of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. He opened and rolled the book and found the place where it was written. Okay. So when he opened and found the place, he was looking for the place in Isaiah, the scripture that he wanted to preach about. And he found it. Mm -hmm. The spirit of the Lord is upon me mm. because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downthroated, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God Profoundly abound. Okay. So he opened a place and found a place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the good news or the gospel. Amen. So when we come to church, we want to hear the good news or the gospel. So when he says that, you see, the good news is this. We come in our different states. It talks there at the end, the bruised, the brokenhearted, the crushed, all that. Those are the different states that we are in. When we come to church, we don't want to hear how damned we are. We want to hear how God can help us. It's like you go to somebody who is deep in sin, who is a drunkard, and you tell him, you are a drunkard, you are going to hell. That's not a good news. They already know they are drunkards. Why do you have to tell them that? It's not a revelation. Okay? They want to hear something good. They want to hear that God loves them. They want to hear that God can make things better for them. So even with you, each one of you here today, when you live here, you should live encouraged. You should live in a better place than you were when you came in here. You need to live up with more hope than when you came here. 
So if you were starting to get discouraged, maybe you were trusting God for something, and then you were starting to get discouraged, may the gospel reinstill the hope in you. Amen? Amen. So he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So it's also good to speak the gospel under the anointing. Amen. Amen. When we speak, we speak under the anointing. That's why the, 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 the Lord would keep on revealing things to you and make them individual to you. Sometimes I hear people saying, Pastor, it's like you were just preaching to me. I was preaching to all of you. But the Holy Spirit made the word specific for you. Amen. Amen. That you feel, this is just about me. This is just about me. So he has anointed me to preach the good news of the gospel. He has sent me to announce release to the captives. Imagine if you are in bondage and you are told you are free. Is that not a good news? If you are blind and you are given back your sight, is that not the good news? If you are sick and you are healed, is that not the good news? If you are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down by calamity, and you are given deliverance, is that not the good news? It is. Can you tell your neighbor, I'm expecting the good news today. Amen. And the good thing is that for you as a child of God, the good news is not only spoken here in the pulpit, you also go and read, study the word, and receive that good news yourself. So today I want us to talk about the gospel as the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. So let's go to Romans chapter 1. Verse 16 and 17 in the Amplified Classic. You saw Jesus says, he has anointed me to preach the good news, the gospel. So why would we be anointed to preach the gospel or the good news? It's so that that good news should come to each one of us and we feel, I now have hope. Whilst I was given bad news that I only have three months to live, and I've got terminal cancer, or I've got HIV, or I've got that, or I've got that, I want to hear the good news that says nothing is too hard for the Lord. Amen? Whilst I was in deep debt, and I didn't know how to get out of that debt, I want to hear the good news that my Lord shall provide for me. And he is a miracle-working God. So go to that Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17, Amplified Classic. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Good news of Christ. So the gospel is the good news. Okay? Mm -hmm. The gospel is the good news. Tell your neighbor the gospel is the good news. Mm. The gospel is not saying I will sort them today. When I go there on the pulpit, I'm going to crush them flat. That's not the good news. Okay? When you come here, we want you to uplift us. We are already downtrodden. You are not doing any good job by training people more. Okay? They are already downtrodden. They want to hear the good news. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. For it is God's power waking unto salvation. Okay, so that's why I say the good news or the gospel is the power of God. 
So it says the good news is God's power working unto salvation. Okay. So to make it simple for you, that word salvation in original Greek, it's more than just salvation to say, I'm saved, I'll go to heaven. Okay? Salvation includes that what you know, but it also includes deliverance, it includes protection, it includes healing, it includes sound mind. You remember last week when we were talking about different names of Jehovah? And we said in whatever state that you are in, Jehovah is what you need. Amen? So if the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, we can say the gospel is the power of God unto whatever you need to be delivered on. So if you are sick, the gospel is the power of God unto healing. You know the scripture in Psalms 107 verse 20 that says, He sends his word and healed them and delivered them from their distractions just with the word. So the word of God has got inherent power in it to bring forth fruit. You know that sometimes people would say to us, you need to remain positive. And even the psychologists will tell you positive thinking. Okay? So positive thinking on its own is relatively fine if that's your only resort. But positive thinking on its own does not have power in it. The gospel has the power. So therefore, I need the word. I need to know what God has said because that word has got power, has got creative power in it to bring about my miracle. So I'm not only just keeping a positive frame of mind because a positive frame of mind is fine for a being, but it's not, doesn't have power to make things happen. While the gospel has the power, has inherent power to make things happen. So the gospel is the power of God. Whatever you need, go and get the word for it. Then that word will be manifested in your life. So if I have a need and I go to the scripture that says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That word is enough to turn my situation around when I believe it. Because it's not only me believing it to keep a positive state of mind, but the word itself is like a seed. It can bring forth the harvest. So he says it's the power of God unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jews first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, a righteousness which, ascri which God ascribes is revealed, springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the word of faith, through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. So as the just, we live by faith because there are many things that would come to confront you. Many challenges. And when we are in this world, you remember the other time we were reading with you the scripture about how the devil was thrown down to the earth and how he is furious. 
So all those challenges and the difficulties that you are going through, all those calamities that sometimes you see, distractions around us and all that, it just says the devil is furious. But when you have the word of God, you have the power of God to deliver you. The Bible says, take unto you the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So as the devil is throwing fiery darts, you lift up the shield of faith. And you take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. It means you are in a warfare. But then, this gospel has changed my life. Can you tell your neighbor, the gospel has changed my life. And if it has changed your life, don't you think it can change your neighbor's life? If it has changed your life, don't you think it can change your family member who's not saved yet? If it has changed your life, don't you think it can change the lives of people here in East River? Amen. It does. Go with me to the book of Colossians 1.6 NLT. Colossians 1.6 NLT. It says, This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. <laughs> okay. Do you know that the very good news that you have, that you have received, is spoken all over the world? Mm. People all over the world, they are talking about this good news. So it says it's going all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by doing what? What is the word doing? Changing lives, metamorphosing lives, transforming lives. It gets somebody whom people have ruled out and have written off, and it lifts that person and makes him or her somebody. Amen. It goes out and finds a person who was an orphan like Esther and makes her a queen. Amen. Amen. It goes out and finds a Joseph who was a fugitive, who was running away and who was taken to a foreign country and was regarded as a foreigner and makes him a prime minister. Amen. That's what the gospel does. It changes lives and it changes situations. Amen. That's why you need to hold on to the gospel. That's why you need not miss church so that when you come here, we show you what God is saying about your situation. So he says, the word is changing life, it's bearing fruit by changing lives everywhere, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. So if the word is changing lives and it has changed your lives, do you think it should just end with you? Don't you think you should go and share with others? Huh? Go and share with others, men, and say, you know what the Lord has done to me? You know what the Lord has done for me? I was like this or I was there, and now I'm like this. There's nothing that beats the power of testimony. You know, when you go out there and you're telling people about what Jesus has done for you, it doesn't matter their level of theological understanding. They can't beat you to it because you are not talking about theory. You are talking about what the Lord has done for you. Amen. You remember the man who was born blind and Jesus healed him. And you remember the scholars of the day when they were debating with him, who is that man that, that healed you? That man is a sinner. And that guy, 
He's never been a scholar of the gospel or the word and all those things. He said, I don't know many things. What I know is that I was blind and now I see. And that is the man who made me whole. That you can't take away from me. So similarly, people may debate with you. Some of the people will try and confuse you. They will try and tell you, no, the Bible contradicts itself. You know this, this, this. You know this, this, this. You need to say to them, but this good news has changed my life. I am a living testimony of what this good news does. Because sometimes people will say to you, no, the Bible is just a white man's invention to try and bring peace and to take our land and to do this and this and this. Is it? Why has it changed my life? It's definitely not that because it has changed my life. And when I believe it, I'm able to navigate life and live in victory. It's got to be the power of God. Those of you who have a Bible or your tablet or whatever, can you lift up and say the gospel is the power of God unto deliverance. Whatever you need, take the word for it. So, it means now, when we are saved and when the lives, our lives have been changed, let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's go and share with others. You know, next week we're going to have the outreach. So, encouraging all of you to be here. Let's go out there. And share with the people what the Lord has done to, for you. And say, he can do it for you too. Amen. Go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 7. Isaiah 52, verse 7, New King James Version. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Did you see that? You remember under the armor of God, there is the armor of God called your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. You remember? Yeah. It will say the breastplate of salvation, but your feet should be always ready to bring the good news. So instead of your feet being ready to go to the neighbors to gossip, can your feet be bearer of good news? Amen. Amen. When you come to a place, may people hear the good news. Amen. There was this man called Ahimaaz. Okay, in the Old Testament, in the book of Samuel. It was the time when Absalom was killed. And people were scared to go and tell the king, David, because he loved him even though he was fighting with his father. And then people were running, the other one running to go and say, we want to bring the news of the death of this son. And somebody said to, 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 to him, don't go, don't rush. This is not good news. And then the other one ran and people saw him coming. Now another one saw Ahimaaz coming and said, there is Ahimaaz coming. And then David said, I know he is a good man. He should be bringing the good news. That's how Ahimaaz was known. Okay. You need to be known as a deliverer of good news. Amen. Amen. 
Yes. I've got good news for you. Amen. I'm a bearer of good news. And the good news, it says, you proclaim peace. You don't saw division. You saw that? Who brings glad tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. I want people who come close to me and say, Pastor, your God is alive. I want people who come close to me and say, I've got a testimony. God has done this and this for me. God is alive. And he's our God. That's the good news. May you share with us some of your testimonies of what God has done for you. Amen. Instead of always talking about what the devil is doing. You know that many people are very good at talking about what the devil is doing. When I grew up, there was one time in Limpopo, I won't say the name of the person. If you know the person, then it's your problem. There was this man, he came from Nigeria, and he was very well known, very popular. When the things about devil worshippers and things like those started coming, we heard it from that time. So he was popular because he could tell us about devil worshippers. And how people would fly on a broom and all that. It became very popular. And most things that you are hearing, you're hearing about what the devil is doing. And sometimes you go to church, all you see is the things that the devil is doing. We want to see what God is doing. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. We bring good news. Amen. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 4. Now we're going to look at Jesus. Himself as the bearer of good news. And then he also gave us then the commission to go and deliver the good news. The good thing with this good news is that it's not only about telling you about coming to the Lord and then you are saved. It's beyond that because you come to the Lord, you are saved, but you are also set free from sin. You are set free from sicknesses. You are set free from fear. For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. When you are here, you hear the good news about how the Lord wants to turn your situation around. How he wants to give you breakthrough in your own life. But we do that as we receive the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God. Matthew 4, 17 to 20, Amplified Classic. From that time, Jesus began to preach, crying out, repent, change your mind for the better, heartily amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he was walking by the sea of Galilee, He noticed two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, throwing a dragnet into the sea, for they were fishermen. So Jesus, when he met these people, they had their own trades. So the two of them were fishermen. And he said to them, Come after me as disciples, letting me be your guide, 
follow me and I will make you fishers of men. <laughs> okay, this is what happens. Okay, at once they left their nets and became his disciples, sided with his party and followed him. Okay. Unlike fish, you know when you go and catch fish, the fish cannot fish other fishes. Isn't it? Huh? But here, Jesus goes and catches them. <laughs> the, the two fish, the, the, the Peter and Andrew. And he says, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. So in other words, I fished you and I caught you. But you also have got to go and fish others. And he used these words. I will make you fishers of men. Because that is the language that Peter and Andrew understood. Amen. You know when you go to people and you're going to share the gospel with them, start with them on things that they understand. Start with them on things that are familiar to them. Yeah. So when he says, I'll make you fishers of men, Peter and Andrew already knew the toils and the, the difficulties of fishing. But they also knew the joy of catching fish. Amen? So when he says, I will make you fishers of men, they were thinking, okay, there will be times sometimes when we have to toil. You know that there are some people when you're sharing the gospel, you've been sharing with this person for quite a long time, and this guy's just resistant and all that. Some of the fish are like that. You go out there, and you just can't catch this one. It's like it was once caught, and now it's very skeptical. You know, there are people out there, you try to share the gospel with them. Ah, you're telling me about church. Pastors are crooks. You find it's a fish that was caught before, but then it was ill-treated. Now, it's very difficult to catch that one. <laughs> because when you throw the hook with the thing, instead of it going for the earthworm, it knows, uh-uh, we don't go there. So when he says, I will teach you or I will make you fishers of men, I believe in the mind of Peter and Andrew, they were thinking, we catch fish. And we know the behaviors of different fish. Okay? And they also knew, sometimes we give a bait for the fish to come in. Mm. And therefore... Even when we have to win souls, there are times sometimes when you have to throw a bait. You remember Jesus during his time? Sometimes he would call the multitudes and when they were there, would give them food. When there is food, some people come. If we can make an invitation here and say there will be food, food in that tent, we'll be dishing out food. You will see how many fish will be here. So now when he's teaching us to be fishers of men, we have to be wise. And no, sometimes you need to throw in a bait. And some of the fish, even if you have thrown in a bait, it can eat your bait and not be caught. You know that? Yeah, that's the practicality of fishing. But don't give up and say, I've wasted my bait. Next time you'll get it. Or somebody else will get it. As the seed is being sown, when he says, I will teach you and I will make you fishers of men, we were caught into this gospel, the good news. 
But we also have to now go and share this gospel with others. And we are fishers of men. And what a joy to bring somebody to Christ. Even when that person dies, or even in their deathbed, this person is going, and you know that you have given them Jesus. You feel comforted. Because you know where they are going. You know they are going to spend eternity with the Lord. You know I will see them again. That is the privilege and the goodness and the joy of sharing the gospel. Amen. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35 to 38. Amplified classic Mr. MJ. Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38. Because when we are talking about <coughs> the outreach next week, we're not doing something new. Amen. Jesus and the people were doing that. They would go out and preach the gospel. You know, we, we are privileged. There are times sometimes some, some of the fish come to church on their own, which is good. But generally, we're supposed to sweat for them. Mm. Go out into the world. The problem with some of the Christians is that sometimes we want to fish from church, other churches. That fish is already caught. There are many other fish out there that still needs to be brought into the kingdom. Amen? Now look at this. Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38, Amplified Classic. And villages. Okay. He went about where? All the cities and villages. Are we going to go to the villages next week? Amen. Yes. <laughs> Imitating Jesus. Mm. So he went to cities and villages. What was he doing? <clears throat> Teaching in their synagogues mm -hmm. and proclaiming the good news, the gospel of the kingdom. Did you hear that? What was he proclaiming? The good news. The good news. You remember since the scriptures that I'm reading from the time we began, it's talking about the good news. The good news. The good news. So he went to cities and villages proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and curing all kinds of disease and every weakness and infirmity. Okay. So we said the good news or the gospel is the power of God unto salvation or unto deliverance. So when you go out there, you will find people who have needs, who need to be prayed with. Some of them you will find they are sick. And when you're sharing this Jesus, they will say to you, I heard that Jesus is a healer. Can you pray for me, my brother? Unlike what you're thinking that people will always be rejecting you when you go out there, there are people who are hungry to hear what Jesus has to offer. Amen? There are people out there who are desperate. They've tried everything. <clears throat> They've gone everywhere. Now, when they hear what Jesus can do, may their faith be stirred up like the faith of that woman with the issue of blood. You remember the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she had suffered <clears throat> for many, many years, and for 12 years, she was suffering with the issue of blood, bleeding all the time without stopping. And she tried everything. She even went to doctors, and she was not getting better. She was growing worse, which says her situation was impossible for men. And the Bible says, but when she heard 
about Jesus. Tell your neighbor she heard about Jesus. It means somebody spoke about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she went in the press behind and started pushing. She said, if I can just touch his garment, I will be made whole. So she heard about Jesus. She heard that he was anointed. <clears throat> she heard that virtue flowed from his body. That no matter what kind of sickness you are suffering from, Jesus is able to heal it. When she heard that, she thought, my only hope is the Lord. And then the Bible says when there was a crowd, she started pushing, pushing away, saying, if I can touch his garment, I will be made whole. If I can touch his garment, I will be made whole. If I can touch his garment, I will be made whole. The Bible says she stretched and she touched his garment and immediately she was healed. She felt in her body that she has been set free. What a good news. And the Bible says Jesus realized that virtue had gone out of him. Then he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, everybody is touching you now. What do you mean who touched me? And he looked around and the woman knew what was done to her and came and bowed to Jesus and said, it's me. I'm a, testimony, a living testimony now. I'm healed. I'm completely made whole. I'm freed from my disease. Amen? That is the kind of Jesus who is the same even today. So if you are here today, before the end of this service, we're going to pray for you. Amen? That the same Jesus needs to heal you even today. Amen? That even when we go out there, the same Jesus will heal the people out there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he was going, curing all kinds of diseases and every weakness and infirmity. So if you hear the word used there, curing all kinds of diseases, which means for Jesus, no disease is incurable. It's only people who will tell you that disease is incurable. Amen? So he cured all kinds of diseases. You read many scriptures and you will hear, they came there to hear the word and to be healed of their infirmities, and Jesus healed them all. So as you come today by faith, as you come to be prayed for, for your healing, may you receive your healing. Because the scriptures have to be fulfilled. Like I told you, it's not just positive thinking. It is the power of God to deliver us. It is the power of God to heal us. It is the power of God to provide for us. Okay? When, 36. When he saw the throngs, in other words, when he saw people pushing, and many people, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them. Other versions would say he was moved with compassion. Why? Because they were bewildered, harassed, and distressed, and dejected, and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Sometimes, just to have a sense, sometimes you can just stand there and look at people and see, you will see that people are helpless. Even as you go out to minister the gospel, you will find that people are helpless, bewildered, dejected, distressed, 
harassed even with sickness. So when we preach the gospel, when we tell them that God loves them, Jesus loves them, and he wants to save them, let's also give them healing. Amen? Because Jesus has authorized us to lay hands on the sick, and they recover. When we proclaim the word in the name of Jesus, may people be set free. May people be healed. May people be given hope again. Amen. So when it says they were bewildered, harassed, distressed, dejected, and helpless, you need to feel pity for them, isn't it? Jesus was feeling pity for them, but he did not just feel pity for them and said, ah, shame. You know when people feel pity for others? Ah, shame. And that's it. Does that deliver? Mm -mm. That's not the gospel. Doesn't have power. Okay? If you are sick or if you are dejected or if you are deep in debt and somebody just says, ah, shame. Tell them that doesn't have power, my brother. I want something that has power. I want something that can turn my situation around. I want something that can tell me that God can turn my situation around. That nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Because as they were harassed, distressed, and dejected, and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, then he said to his disciples, the harvest indeed is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So he looked at those people and see that they were helpless. They were dejected. They were troubled. And he says, they all need to be delivered. All that people, that's the harvest for the kingdom. But laborers are few. So, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Do I have some laborers here that are ready to go and harvest the souls for the kingdom? So we're encouraging all of you to be here on Saturday. They will tell us, they will give us the details. We need to go out there and harvest. The harvest is plentiful. We have something to offer because we have Jesus. This world needs Jesus. This world is in trouble. You hear things around, you just watch the news or listen to the news, then you will know that this world is in trouble. The only hope is Jesus. And you have Jesus. May the Jesus in you go and deliver the people. May the Jesus in you go and give people hope. <clears throat> May the Jesus in you do it for you first. Because the scripture that we read in Colossians, it says, the word is changing your own life first, but it's also going out now to change the lives of others. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 1, and then verse 7 and 8, I'll do it in the good news. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, good news. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and every sickness. What did Jesus do? He called his 12 disciples and he gave them authority 
to cast out demons and to heal every kind of disease. So Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even Jesus now, he is equipping us to go and preach the gospel, but he also gives us authority to subdue the kingdom of the enemy, to cast out devils, to heal the sick. Amen? Amen. It's not us. It's the Jesus in us. So, verse 7 says, go and preach. So, in other words, he equips us and then he sends us. So, some of you may be feeling, I feel inadequate, I feel unworthy. So, I hope they will tell us that you will put us in groups, or people in groups. At least you will go with others. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So, it's not difficult then. Amen? Amen? And we go out there and tell people about the good news. That has changed our lives and we want you to change their, theirs also. So verse 7, go and preach. The kingdom of heaven is near. As you preach, what must you do? Verse 8, heal the sick. Bring the dead back to life. Heal those who suffer from dreaded skin diseases and drive out demons. You have received without paying, so give without being paid. Amen. Amen. So Jesus says, I have equipped you. I've given you power to heal the sick. When you heal the sick, you don't have to be paid. You are not a doctor. The doctors get paid for healing. Okay? But for you, you've been given freely. So give it freely. Lay hands on the sick and let them recover. Let them see the power of God in you. Now, let's go to the book of Luke chapter 10. So, Mr. MJ, you're going to do this one for us. Because I want to show you along the same lines, when God, when Jesus sends us, he equips us. Okay? When he sends us, he equips us. That's why even today as we're telling you about this, it's for you to be equipped. But you also reflect on your own life and know that actually the Jesus that I'm going to talk about is the Jesus that I know. You can't share with others about Jesus if you don't know Jesus. You can't draw from an empty cup. Luke chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 1 and 2. After this, the Lord chose another 72 men and mm -hmm. sent them out two by two. Okay. <laughs> So even Jesus, sometimes he would send them in groups. He sent them two by two. I don't know how, how many will you send us, Mr. Nkabinde. But he sent them two by two. Uh -huh. To go ahead of him to every town and place where he himself was about to go. Mm. He said to them, there is a large harvest. Oh. That those words again. Mm -hmm. But few workers to gather in it. So, there's so many. But few workers to go and harvest. Mm -hmm. Pray to the owner of the harvest that he will send out workers to gather in his harvest. So today we'll also have time to pray after church. We told you there will be prayer after church today. So Mr. MJ should lead us there. We need to pray for more laborers. And we must be the laborers in the field. Amen? 
And all these things that we're seeing here, as we pray, as we get equipped, we are ready to go out there. So go to verse 8 to 11. Whenever you go into a town and are made welcome, eat what is said before you, heal the sick in that town. Oh, so it seems this thing of preaching the gospel and healing the sick is always intertwined. Continue. And say to the people there, the kingdom of God has come near you. So when people are delivered, when people see the power of God, it means the kingdom of God has come to them. And the kingdom of God comes to them as we go. Because we are the ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. We represent heaven. The power of God is in us. So you tell them, the kingdom of God has come near them. Mm -hmm. But whenever you go into a town and are not welcomed. Oh, okay. So it means sometimes you'll go and you won't be welcomed. No problem. Jesus tells you the trick. Mm -hmm. Go out in the streets and say, even the dust from your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. But remember that the kingdom of God has come near you. So in other words, even if you reject us, you had a chance to receive the gospel. But anyway, we're going to some other places. You don't have to keep on. You know, like sometimes you come to people and you're sharing with them the gospel and you can see they're starting to argue. You're going to waste your time. Because you will spend all your hour with that person. And at the end, you're just confused. Okay? So you can see that some are there just to confuse you. Okay? Then you pass by and say, no, brother, I just wanted to share with you the gospel, but that's fine. Then you pass. Okay? Go to verse 16. 16 to 20. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Oh, okay. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. Hey, is this not encouraging? Mm. Huh? Yes. <laughs> Whoever listens to us, listens to Jesus. Whoever rejects us, rejects Jesus. So it's not you, because you're not selling yourself. Continue. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. Yeah. So it means, even as you go out, some will accept you. Some will reject you. Continue. The 72 men came back in great joy. Okay, now, after they went, so after you go on Saturday, we need to come back also and give some testimony. What happened out there? So the 72 came back. Listen. Lord, they said, ay, ay, Even the demons obeyed us when we gave them a command in your name. So they were like surprised. <laughs> Oh, Lord, we've got good news. We've got a testimony. Even demons were listening to us as we commanded them in your name. He told them that. And they saw it happening. Now they were coming back. They were rejoicing. What a joy of going to share the gospel. And you see God confirming his word in the lives of people. And you see God delivering people. Continue. Jesus answered them. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Mm. Listen, I have given you authority Ish. 
so that it can walk on the snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing will hurt you. Did you get that? He says, I have given you authority. In other words, you are not going in your own power. You are not going in your own authority. We are given authority so that you can walk on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing will hurt you. That's encouraging, isn't it? To know that when we go with Jesus, he will preserve us. Because we are there for his business. Amen? Continue. But don't be dead because the evil spirits obey you. Rather be dead because your names are written in heaven. I like that. So he says the most important thing is that your name is written in heaven. Or your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Because you know that sometimes if we only just rejoice that demons are listening to us, people are getting healed, and this and this and this. You remember where Jesus said, some will come in the last days and say, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? Didn't we do this and this? And, and Jesus said, I will say to them, I never knew you. You remember that scripture? So it means, it's not only... You don't judge a person's Christianity by what the Lord is doing through their lives, but by the fruit in them. Okay? Because sometimes you, you see people who even living in sin, and you see God using them because he wants to reach to his people. He could have even used a donkey. So, so you know better off than a donkey. So if he could use a donkey, he can use that sinner just so that he can achieve his purpose. But the donkey should never feel that it's because I'm more important. Okay? And the sins that you know you are doing, because now God used me and I prayed for somebody and somebody got healed, it means God condones my sin. No. God just wanted to heal the person. He could have healed that person with any other means. Okay? You get that? So he says, don't rejoice that demons are subjected to you but rather that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what counts. My name is written. Amen. So if you are here and you are not yet sure whether your name is written, when we finish here, I'm going to make an altar call and give you an opportunity to also accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that you can have an assurance that my name is written in heaven. Even when I go out to preach the gospel, I'm safe myself. Amen? Amen. And when we go out, this is so much God's work that he's got to make a way for us. He clears ways for us and he prepares things for us. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 45. Verse 1 to 6 in the message translation. Isaiah 45, 1 to 6 message. God's message to his anointed, to Cyrus, whom he took by the hand to give the task of taming the nations, of terrifying their kings. He gave him free reign, no restrictions. 
I'll go ahead of you, clearing and paving the road. We need him to do that. I'll break down bronze city gates, smash padlocks, kick down bad entrances. I'll lead you to buried treasures, secret caches of valuables, confirmation that it is in fact I, God, the God of Israel who called you by name. It's because of my dear servant Jacob Israel, my chosen, that I've singled you out, called you by name, and given you this privileged work. And you don't even know me. You see that? I told you, the fact that God is using you doesn't vindicate that it means indeed you know God, indeed you're walking in the fullness of God. God just wants to help his people, and you're just an object. So he says, you don't even know me. I am God, the only God there is. Beside me there are no real gods. I'm the one who armed you for this work. God has equipped us. He has armed us for the work ahead. Though you don't even know me, so that everyone from the east to the west will know that I have no God rivals. I am God, the only God there is. You get that? So if he goes before us, he makes way for us. So he does not just send us alone. He goes before us and he also goes with us. So that even when you have to talk to people, may it be God talking through you. May the Holy Spirit give you ways. May the Lord give you wisdom and guidance to know which ones to talk to and which ones not. By the way, there are others that you shouldn't talk to if you are led and guided and others that you should. Say, Pastor, why? And how will I know? Okay, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 16. We'll do this one in the Good News Translation, Mr. MJ. Acts chapter 16, 4 to 10. Again, here it was now the disciples. It was after Jesus had left because he gave the command to go into the world. And in Mark chapter 16, it talks about go and preach the gospel. And as they went, he said, those who believe will lay hands on the sick they will, uh, and they will recover. They will cast out devils. Even if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. And then the Bible says, and God, as they went out everywhere to preach, God went with them and worked with them and confirmed the word with signs following. So it means when they go, when we go, God goes with us and he confirms the word with signs following. But look at this in Acts chapter 16, 4 to 10, Good News Translation, Mr. MJ. As they went through the towns, mm. they delivered to the believers the rules decided upon by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem, mm. and they told them to obey those rules. Mm. So the churches were made stronger in the faith and grew in numbers every day. Oh, so it means with the gospel, the church can be made stronger every day in the faith, and we can also grow in numbers every day. You got that? Continue. They traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit did not let them preach the message in the province of Asia. So there were some places where the Holy Spirit says, no, you don't have to go there. 
Is that what that verse is saying? Continue. When they reached the border of Mysia, they tried to go into the province of Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Oh, did you see that? So they wanted to go to the province of Bithynia. And what happened? The spirit of Jesus. The spirit of Jesus did not allow, allow them. So it means as we go, we need to be sensitive to the spirit. Because he is the master of the harvest. Let him guide us as fish are to be caught. But there would be times when you know you don't have to speak to this one. No problem. Amen. Speak to this one. Do this. Do that. Because he's the owner of the work. Okay? Continue. <clears throat> so they, tra they traveled right on through Mysia and went to Troas. Okay. That night, Paul had a vision in which he saw a Macedonian standing, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Oh, it says that night, Paul saw in a vision a Macedonian man standing and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. <clears throat> I believe there are many people out here in Easter River who are crying out for Jesus. Amen. Come over here and share the good news with us. Come over here and share the healing power of God with us. Come over here and give us hope. Come and share with us what Jesus has done in your lives that he can do it for us also. Verse 10. As soon as Paul had this vision, we got ready to leave for Macedonia because we decided that God had called us to preach the good news to the people there. So we are also ready to bring the gospel to the people here in the earth, the river. Amen. Amen. And like we're saying, get encouraged. The good thing is that we're not going there on our own. Amen. You've seen how he teaches us as to be fishers of men and how he goes with us, how he goes before us, how what he has done to us he also wants to, us to do to others. And how he gives us chance to even use our own personal testimonies to minister to the people. So let's descend. We're preparing to land now. Because I need to have time to pray for those who are not feeling well in your body. John chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 30. I'll pick some verses. This is the story about the Samaritan woman. Okay? Now. It's a very good example about, because even when we are going to go out there, we are not all in the same level, okay? Some of you might just have gotten born again recently. But you also can say something, okay? Others, you've been in the Lord for quite some time, you also can say something. And even in your own individual places, we don't have to wait for the outreach to speak the gospel to people. In your workplaces, Wherever you go, your relatives at your home, pray for them and also share the gospel with them. Some of you, you've got unbelieving spouses. Pray for them and share the gospel with them. Show by example. Leave Jesus. Show Jesus to them. You know that some of the people, 
your husbands or your wives are not getting born again because they don't see a difference between you and them. You say you go to church, you say you are a Christian, hey, but the way, the way you talk with me, my wife, I. <laughs> if you say you have a Jesus, I, I don't want that Jesus. Peter actually says, in the book of Peter, it says, you wives, some of you should treat your husband with respect, just like what Sarai used to say to Abraham and calling him master, my Lord, in, in Vanevanga. And then it says, you are indeed the daughters of Sarah if you do that. Because some men who don't believe, they will be won into the kingdom by the conduct of their wives. I believe if you are a husband and your, your wife is not born again, she can also be won into the kingdom by your conduct. Can she see Jesus in you? Can she see a caring Jesus in you? A loving Jesus in you? Amen? Amen. So, I said we are descending with John chapter 4. It's verse 1 to verse 30, but we won't read all the verses in the good news. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was winning and baptizing more disciples than John. Actually, Jesus himself did not baptize anyone. Only his disciples did. Okay? So then, when Jesus heard that being said, he left Judea and went back to Galilee. And on his way there, he had to go through Samaria. I want you to listen to those words. He had to go through Samaria because there was a mission to accomplish. So there are other places where you have to go because there's a mission to accomplish. In Samaria, he came to a town named Sychar, which was not far from the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by the trip, sat down by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw some water, and Jesus said to her, What did Jesus say to her? Give me a drink of water. You see the trip, the trick. You remember the fisherman? How did he introduce the gospel to the fisherman? I'll teach you to be fishers of men. That's the language you understand. Now he comes and he finds a Samaritan woman. She's coming to draw water. Where should he start? Start with water. Isn't it? Don't you see the trend? Yeah. Some of you, you know this guy likes soccer. Okay. Start there. This one likes this. Start there. Amen. Because that's the language they understand and that's what they are interested in. So he says, give me a water to drink. Now she was coming to draw water. What do you think comes to her mind? We can converse. Because what you're talking about, I can talk about. Okay. Then she says, you are a Jew and you're asking me for water. You know that Jews and Samaritans don't have interactions. And I'm a woman for that nature. Because in those days, if you were a woman or you were a Samaritan, you were looked down upon. So these things of racial groupings undermining each other, it's not starting now. Okay? You think you've got an invention in South Africa? No, these things were there all along. 
Okay? So they were looked down upon, the woman and the Samaritan. So people were surprised. So how would Jesus, a Jewish man, speak to a Samaritan woman? And then when she was asking him a question, he said, woman, you just don't know who's speaking with you. Okay? Verse 10. Jesus answered, if you only knew what God gives and who is it that asking you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you life-giving water. He's still talking about water. So don't you think if you were a Samaritan woman and you were coming there every day to get water and then he says, I'll give you water that will never run dry and you will never thirst again. Don't you think you would be interested in that water? Yeah. Jesus says, actually, I can give you water that you will never thirst again. Samaritan woman thought, oh, water that I will never thirst again. That's good news. Because then I won't have to keep on coming here. Verse 13, Jesus answered, those who drink this water will get thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I will give them will never thirst again. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring which will provide them with life-giving water and give them eternal life. You see that? So when we receive Jesus, you know that before you came to Jesus, <laughs> you were thirsty of many things. You know when people get into drugs and things like that, it's because there's a void. There's something that you want to feel. Okay? About three, four days ago, I got a call from somebody who I last, I think I last saw this person or talked with this person maybe more than 10 years ago. And when I got this call, the person said, Pastor, I need prayer. I was at work. Do you have two minutes? I need prayer. I said, okay. And when the person shared that Last night, I was about to take my own life. I wanted to commit suicide. That then I realized this is deep. Then I said, do you have time? I can phone you tonight at 7. And then we can talk. Then I'll pray with you. He said, that's fine. So 7 o'clock in the night, in the evening, indeed I called. Fortunately, he was waiting for my call. Okay, because some of you thought, what if he's gone by then? No, he doesn't go if I tell him we're going to talk at seven. The Lord guides me. Amen. So then, he was sharing how he's so depressed and he was in depression and how life is meaningless and how he just wants to sleep and not wake up. How he just doesn't want people next to him how nothing interests him anymore and he feels it's better to die. And he said, I even, because I heard other people saying, if you drink, you, things get better and that. I even bought bottles of wine and to try and solve the situation, nothing happened. And actually, as I was about to take my own life, then I thought of my two sons. One is, I think one is three, 
and one is five. Then we talked, we talked. After that, prayed for him. After that, I even gave, gave him a copy of my book about living long on the earth. And I said to him, the devil could not kill you last night. It's too late now for him to kill you. Amen. Amen. Because he missed an opportunity. You should have killed him then, but he didn't kill him. Now we're praying for you and we're standing together. I sent him a copy of my book, electronic version. I said if he wants the hard copy, you can get it from uh, Amazon or from uh, Take A Lot. Then he wrote me a message. He said, Pastor, thank you very much for your prayer. This book is written for me. I really want a hard copy. We must arrange how I'll get it. Now he's got reasons to live again. But do you know that wine did not solve the problem? So I'm bringing this here because Jesus says, the water that I'll give you, you will never thirst again. So you can try drugs, you can try wine, you can try those. You will keep on thirsting because that's not the solution. You get that? Is it clear? So when you've got a problem, don't resort to that. That is not the solution. This is the water that Jesus gives. And when you have this water, he says you will never thirst again. Then he says, give me that water then I will never thirst again. No, will I have to come here to draw water? Jesus said, verse 16, go and call your husband. Jesus told her, and come back. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you you're saying it right. You don't have a husband. Actually, the one you're staying with now is not your husband. You had, look at this, in verse 18. You have been married to five men, and the one you live with now is not really your husband. You have told the truth in that. And yet, Jesus did not rule her out. Okay? Now, what do you think this would mean to this woman? To say, he is interested in me. Even if I've got this baggage. Even if I've got this history. Okay? And what this woman did, she started being interested in Jesus. After that, instead of her to, call her, to go and call her husband, she went and called the whole town of Samaria. Okay, let's read that one. Because I'm winding down now. Verse 28. Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the town and said to the people there, she was told to go and call her husband, and she felt, this is so big. I need the whole town to hear the story. Come and see the man who told me everything I have ever done. Could this be the Messiah? So they left the town and went to Jesus. So it means some of you, you won't necessarily go and preach to them. You just invite them to church. Hmm. I heard you will be having flyers, pamphlets. So some, you just say, we're inviting you to church if you don't have a church where you are fellowshipping. We are fellowshipping in the tent there. Come on Sunday. This woman says, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Now, the whole town went to Jesus, invited by 
the Samaritan woman. Can you be our Samaritan woman? Amen. Eh? Because some of you, you don't talk much. But you can be our Samaritan woman. Okay? And when those people came and they had Jesus, after that, they were convicted. The Bible says, they now said to her, we now believe, not because of what you told, you, you told us, we had him ourselves. So some of you, you just need to invite them. Hey, we are enjoying the word in our church, man. Can you come and just, just, just come for a visit one, one Sunday? Then the owner of the word will minister to them. When they come here, they will feel, I really needed this. Because you see, the, the, as a human being, the other time I said to you, man is a spirit. He lives in a body and he possesses a soul. So those three aspects, spirit, soul, and body, but you are one person. So when the word is preached like this, your spirit connects with it. Your spirit realizes, this is what I was longing for. Because the spirit does not eat bread. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. In other words, he was saying, as a human being, you don't only depend on physical bread. You also depend on the word to feed your spirit. Amen. So I learned with Daniel 12, 2 and 3, and we are going to pray. Daniel 12, 2 and 3, NLT. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up. Okay? So people, people who are dead and buried, they will rise up. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. So just make sure that when it's time for you to die, you won't die and rise up to everlasting disgrace or to everlasting torment. And you do that by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You get that? Verse 3. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. So this verse to me says, there is a crown for those who win many to righteousness. There is a reward for those who win many to righteousness. The Bible says, heavens rejoice when one sinner repents. But then, if you led somebody to Christ, or if you invited somebody to church and this person now accepts Jesus, you will receive a crown. Amen? The currency of the kingdom is souls. While in this world, we mainly talk about money, and we want more money. In the kingdom, they want more souls. It's just that in church, we will need money to reach out and to do many other things we do. But our primary objective is the souls. So I want us to stand up and uh, <coughs> worship team. We'll have to get a song. Because I want us to stand up and just for a minute or two, each of you just thank God for the word that you've had. After that...